We continue today uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, and you might have the new handout, or you don't, because I did not pass it out yet. But if you could pass it out for me. Uh, we're going to go through, and there's a lot of stuff to talk about here today uh, uh, concerning uh, the life of faith and um, how we ought to endure and uh, what it means to be a pastor. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, uh, praying as well. So a lot of little motifs here uh, throughout the closing verses of uh, Hebrews 13. So uh, a lot of good stuff here uh, about uh, the writer uh, as he shows us kind of the conclusion, the lasting word. So why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for this time. Lord, uh, bless us um, in your promise, uh, knowing full well that the word that you have given to us has set us free. Thank you for Jesus, uh, Lord, for, for, for the victory and the forgiveness that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us uh, through the blood of the cross and the empty tomb. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, here on, uh, uh, in Hebrews, I think we ended on verse 14, if I'm not right. Verse 14? We got through 13? Okay. So, um, oh, I love this. Uh, <laughs> did you guys ever play um, SimCity before? SimCity? Jeff, I know you have. SimCity? Any? SimCity? No? Oh, it, it first came out on like the, um, the Mac Classic. In 1994, I believe, <laughs> I had it on the Mac Classic there, back at home. Uh, yeah, Apple IIe is, was my first computer. That was my first. Um, man, that was fun. Um, but anyways, uh, City, right? Uh, I don't know why I brought up SimCity, but I think I do know why here. No, I, I know why because of this verse. If so, could read that for me. Verse 14. All right, so, so we're not supposed to lay our, again, the last couple of verses or the last chapter we talked about trusting in the Old Testament ways, uh, depending on these food laws, these cleansing or these purity laws uh, to, to, to somehow cleanse our consciences. Uh, this isn't lasting. If we build our salvation, our faith upon these things, uh, it does not last, right? So... The question is, what does last? What is everlasting? And, and here we see in verse 14, uh, we have the eternal home, that we are not uh, setting uh, up shop here on earth, but we are merely guests. Um, now, I love, I mean, Luther talks about being a guest or a sojourner of this world, but do you see that? How easy is it to set up shop in the world as if this is it? In our, in our, in our human flesh, how easy... We're enveloped by this world, of course, because we live in it. But how easy is it to think that this is... Like the shop that we set up here is everything. How easy is it to fall into that? 
like this is the lasting city like like my 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 fortress my retirement fund my savings account my even my own righteous works self-righteous works this is my lasting city um why is that so easy to to set up by yourself what what, what is because Jeff? You can control. You can control. Oh, you're master in command, right? Uh, It's like the food loss, right? It's how easy was it to follow? Because it was a tangible, I self-righteous did it, and I know because I did that, well, that must have some pull with God. And here it's, no. Our lasting city is in the image of the, what kind of God? In the invisible God, right? We know he's here with us by his word, uh, but yet um, uh, there, um, <laughs> by faith, uh, we, we trust uh, that his word is true and that this is the city that was set up for us by the body and blood of Jesus, the mighty fortress for the, for the forgiveness of our sins and to life everlasting. This is the lasting city, right? So, yes? I find this verse interesting in the sense that this whole book is thought to have been written before 70 AD, mm-hmm. which is when the temple was destroyed. That's right. In fact, Jerusalem was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So you have to wonder if the author is not talking about the coming destruction of the holy city that everybody revered as if put their faith in and, and still to this day. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a that's a good point, right? Um, and that's the thing, you know. What is what is lasting in your life? That's the question that really kind of is coming from this verse. Is what are the lasting things in your life? I mean, I, I think, especially for young adults like my, well, I'm not going to say like my my Abe yet. But he's not a young adult. He's a teenager still. Let's not fast. Uh, I know he's on the verge. He is taller than me, sadly. But uh, <laughs> or from his vantage point, joyfully, I don't know. But <laughs> oh, I know, Elliot. Um, but you're almost taller than your dad. But but how easy is it for for the younger generations to see their lasting city, let's say in their career or in the college they go to, as if this is everything? And and in so doing, what happens? More times than not, they forsake the faith because the temptation of, no, this is, this is the holy grail, this world. I, if I just get that diploma and get that career and get that house and get that whatever it is, that's the shop I'm going to set up in this world and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, right? Um, or even for people who are, Again, in this context uh, about self-righteousness, if I just do more for God, if I just, you know, uh, be a perfect disciple and count the cost and do everything perfectly, um, I, I can save myself and cleanse my conscience and, and I can do the tangible things uh, to, to, to prove my worth in front of God. And, and that's not lasting in itself as well, right? Uh, the lasting city is Christ, uh, who, who by his blood set up your salvation and who's won your salvation and has given you the everlasting home um, in his kingdom, the mansion mansion that has many rooms, um, John 14. So uh, this is 
the reminder, you guys, because uh, I don't know about you, but it's easy to forget about that. Um, I mean, you guys had a busy week, right? I'm assuming you had a lot of stuff to do and uh, we're so enveloped by it that uh, I, I think we forget the big picture of the promises of God, his word, and what he has given to us in this lasting city. So it's a point to eternity. It's the look, look forward to eternity, knowing that not only are you living in eternity right now, but you're, le- you're looking forward to the fulfillment, the culmination of that in the Lord's return, right? But your eyes are always set on that because here the writer is pointing to us, yes, go to the word, go to the promise, go to the lasting city, and that is Christ and what he has done for you. So this is the pilgrimage of faith. These are the lasting words he's giving the, 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 the Hebrews to trust in what Jesus has already done, right? Um, yeah, I don't know anyone else who can build and accomplish what Jesus has done, right? Life forgiveness, is, there's no one else. No other name, Acts 4.12, of course. Anyways, um, okay, so, yeah, we are mere guests, you know? It's like uh, when you go to Target, you know, you are guests at Target, right? I worked at Target when I was younger, and um, they say, don't call them customers. Call them guests. And don't use the very Christmas. That's right. Um, oh, I would say Feliz Navidad. Anyways, uh, but, uh, uh, um, but we're just guests when we go to Target. We don't live there, do we? No, we, we go in, go out, we're guests, right? We're not, we're not setting up shop in Target and living at Target. No, uh, we're guests. So this is a picture of what the life of faith is all about, and this is yours. So uh, as we see on your notes as we, at the bottom, as we have heard, a sincere Christian believer has all the possessions of God and is a child of God. If someone needs a handout, I have one more. If someone needs it, anyone from last week? No? Um, as we have heard, a sincere Christian believer has, at the bottom, has all the possessions of, of God and is a child of God. The time of his life, however, is but a pilgrimage. But God permits him to remain alive in the flesh and lets his body walk the earth in order that he may help others and bring them to heaven too. Therefore, we must use everything on earth in no other way than as a guest. Thus, the Christian life is, the, is only a night's lodging. Right? For here we have no lasting city. You know, it's only a night where we're lodging in a hotel saying, oh yeah, this is not our home. We're checking out, you know, whenever that is, but uh, this is but a moment in time, right? So, you know, the, I love that right there, uh, that we, what is it? It says that we may help others and bring them to heaven too, right? And, and, and here we see in the next verse, if someone could read uh, verse uh, uh, 15 uh, yeah this, verse 15 is someone... <clears throat> let us continually offer sacrifices praise God that is the fruit of his lips that confesses his name alright so the sacrifice of praise that is uh, the fruit of lips that we invoke we acknowledge his name right uh, as you see right there on your handout uh, from the catechism, from the explanation, from Article 1 of the Creed, uh, why do we do all this, right? The question is, God gives us all these things, right? 
or why does he do this? All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and merit, mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this, it is my duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. So why do we thank, praise, serve, and obey him? We only can thank, praise, and serve, and obey him because he is the one who graced us, who, who mercifully provides for us uh, with our daily bread, but also with the redemption, with our spiritual life. Uh, with the comfort. Yeah. Yeah, so when you, you know, when we respond with, uh, when we respond as we thank, praise, serve, and obey him, um, why, and this is a carry question, <laughs> why is, why is our being, why is our understanding of who we are, why is that important in terms of this? Um, yeah, why is the true understanding of being and how that shapes this? Do you know what I'm saying here? Because it, it can go in different ways, of course, based on our understanding of who we are. Now, anyone give me a thought on this before we kind of dig in? Okay, all right, so, so the deeper question, Dave, as you talk about that is, as you do, dwell upon your being as a child of God, is how did you become a child of God? Of course, you know the answer. Baptism. Yeah, bapti- good. Baptism, the sacraments, of course, the Lord's Supper, uh, and of course, at the end of the day, from the fruits of Jesus and his death and resurrection, right? This is, again, this is gift. You know, if, if my being is, and I, ho- I wish Brent was here. I know he had a family thing to go to, but I've been teaching him. And, and I come from the same place as him, not only in location, because we both lived in Orange County, but just in, in the spiritual background, I come from the same place as him. And I totally get where he's coming from. Um, Jesus is the free gift. It's not something that we do for God that we have Jesus. It's Jesus came down to make dead people alive. Dead people, right? Dead in sin, he made us alive by his work of the cross and his empty tomb. So when you talk about your being, why are you the way you are? Because it is the blood of Christ that covers each and every one of you. How did that blood... How, how does the blood of Christ cover you? Did you put Jesus? I mean, did you say, Jesus, I'm ready now. Can you go to the cross? No, he, he came to the world first, making you who you are like in your being. Yes. Jesus took a risk, not... not to condemn the world, right? But in hopes that some should be saved. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we talk about being... Knowing that this is a passive gift in who you are as a child of God, it is not a legalistic burden. Okay, all right, that, I got to thank God. I got to invoke his name. I got to praise his name. You know, I got to serve and, and obey him. And just like the food laws, just another thing to do in life. No, this is like I wish I had a cup um, as a 
object lesson, you, when you fill the cup with water and it overflows like Psalm 23, the cup doesn't say, I want to overflow. It is the water in the cup that makes it overflow. I'm trying to do this on the cusp, on the, on the, yeah, <laughs> from the, on the fly here. Uh, but it's the water that was given to this cup that it overflows. The cup doesn't say, I want to overflow, right? It, it is by faith that we receive this word where there, this is what overflows by the work of Christ alone and what he has done, the gospel, right? So understanding this gospel, the, the sacrifice of praise is not of one where we have to do this, but be, I mean, you know, oh Lord, open my lips, right? And my mouth will declare your praise. We say, oh Lord, open my lips. So it's not Nancy saying, I'm going to open my own mouth and praise the Lord. No, it's the Lord who grants us faith. Faith is a, Dave, a, faith is a gift, right? A gift. So when you talk about your being, it's like, that's right. I am who I am. All by what Jesus in his redemption has done for me. And what a great comfort that is. So when we praise the Lord, when we serve him, this is not begrudgingly. And if it is begrudgingly, uh, just go back to the gospel, and there you'll see, that's right, of course, it's Jesus, right? Uh, so, so very important here with understanding what it means to acknowledge his name, the name that saves you, the name that has rescued you from sin and death, right? All right, so here, uh, as with the OT sacrifices, the congregation praise the Lord. Um, yeah, they praise the Lord in, in the rite of atonement in the Old Testament, Right? Uh, with the burnt sacrifice and all these things. In the same way, uh, the sacrifice is to God, and therefore the fruit of the lips is a gift given in Christ and the gospel, right? That through the fruits of the Lord's death and resurrection, there from the fruit of our lips, we acknowledge the name that saves us. Right? You're already there. This is your being. You're a child of God. No longer orphaned by the separation from God, but you are, uh, you are his own. So that's uh, really uh, the picture of what the writer is saying here about uh, sacrifices that are of praise, praising to God, acknowledging his name. Because without him, we can't acknowledge his name. I mean, just imagine that. Without him and his work, we could never acknowledge his name. It's always about his work first, that we, uh, that we know not only forgiveness and love, but his name. All right. Uh, verse 16, uh, why don't we continue here? Uh, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. All right. So what, what's this about? With the knowledge of our being, what does the writer say? Do not neglect. Oh. Do, do not neglect to do good. Right? And to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So the sacrificial life that you live, uh, so do good. Right? Love your neighbor. Now, how do you hear those words, love your neighbor? It's through the love of Christ. Not Dave saying, oh, okay, yeah, I have to do that. I've not done that enough. I've got to do that to, to, to save my, spa- my, my place in heaven, and I've got to have God pleased with me, and I've got to do this and that to, to earn my salvation and to cleanse my conscience, of course, right? <laughs> to cle- have a clear conscience. I've got to do all these things. No, it's because you're, you have a cleansed conscience that 
you hear these words and do what? Of course. What a joy it is to love and serve, right? What a joy it is to care for those around us um, and to share uh, uh, with those that need um, and, and to care for one another, right? Um, so in light of the context here, uh, we see that their service was uh, namely for the persecuted, right? Uh, also for the strangers, as we see on our handout here, uh, throughout Hebrews as you look at it. Uh, whether it's strangers or prisoners, those that were persecuted for the faith, uh, the, the congregation was there to, to care for them um, and to serve them and, and to provide them in need, right? Um, all by the mercy work of Christ, right? You know mercy and compassion, true compassion, right, from the Greek splankna uh, or splagidzomai, uh, this, this uh, true compassion, this inner bowel deep compassion, uh, as that word would uh, translate, uh, and that is Jesus on the cross. That's his compassion for you. And through that compassion, uh, you know how to also forgive and to love and serve sacrificially, right? So to do good, to share, right? And this is a, um, uh, not a check, check mark off your self-righteous list of how good you are in front of God, right? It's not like Don can just bring up his Excel spreadsheets of all his good works and show God, look, uh, cell A and B, uh, those are all filled, God, so we're good, right? Um, is that how it works? Cell. They're cell boxes, right? On judgment day, I think he's up to the PowerPoint presentation. Oh, the graphs. Oh, we need the graphs, Don. Look, Lord, look at my graphs. Look at the graphs. Look at my piety. Look how much I've done. It's over the line. It's over the line. Um, I'm good, right? And no, this is... Uh... My problem is on judgment day, I have to say the dog ate my homework. <laughs> um, and you won't even have to say that, Rob. Okay, so uh, on judgment day. So, um, so, yes, do not neglect to do good. So, you know, as a church, as a Christian, uh, this is our calling uh, to, to do good and to live uh, according to his word. Um, it says right here, and to what it means to, to do good, uh, Luther really does, or the confessions uh, really does point that out to us. However, the law does not teach how and why the good works of believers are pleasing and acceptable to God, even though in this life they are in fact imperfect and impure. So our good works, right? Our, our, what does it say in Isaiah 64? Are like filthy Rags, right? Even our most righteous works. So they are, in fact, impure, imperfect because of the sinfulness of the flesh. The law demands total, perfect, pure obedience if it is to please God. I mean, that's the demand at the end of the day. Can you do that? Pure, perfect obedience. That means A plus. Uh, and... Um, Sadly, quickly, as we walk out the door, we already probably failed as we, someone cuts us off on the freeway, and we have some words for them, internally, of course. <laughs> well, we can do things, not always, but we can do things that are pleasing to the Lord. Sure. But why are they pleasing to God? Um, because we're, we're living through Christ. With Christ in us, we are, um, we are praying to him. Praying to him through Christ. Everything is through Christ. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's that faith, that faith that you have in Christ. Because remember, the 
That's right. That's right. It seems to me there's a fine dividing line between what we do in response to our salvation. Response is a good word. Which is, is what you've got there. Mm -hmm. And you reach a certain point and you think, well, maybe if I did that much, I'd do a little more. And now it's transitioned to something else. It's transitioned to a um, salvation works. Bonus promotions. Aren't we, don't we live a life of promotions? Like you. Well, but that's society. That's yeah. That's it's all promotion. Promote, promote, promote. Somehow accept that into the faith. Yeah. And that's not the way it works. Because it's tangible. Again, it's it's tangible, right? Uh, it's like the Old Testament. Oh, we we go back to these because they're tangible and and it's good. Uh, but no, Christ has fulfilled it, so no need. No need to do these anymore, right? Because Christ is your everlasting city. Anyways, so, so right here in the quote, uh, instead, the gospel teaches that our spiritual sacrifices are pleasing to God through faith because of Christ. So when you talk about do good, what, how can this be heard? And we talk about self-righteousness, but how should it be heard in your own words? Anyone? As we kind of went over this already, but I mean, when you do good, Because your being is in Christ. Yeah. Like, who you are uh, is in the joy of the resurrection. Yeah, we shouldn't really be thinking about it. I'm going to do this good thing. I think, I think mm -hmm. right? It's part of our being, part of who we are, because we are yeah, in Christ, right? It's, it's just a that response. It's yeah. just, and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Okay, so what if we had, what if our faith was about, like, we have all these constitution and bylaws of, oh, this is 803.5 of good works. Oh, it's to open the door for my neighbor. Oh, it is to uh, 803.5.6 subset A. Uh, oh, it, 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 <laughs> uh, and we have all these things that we have to do uh, when in fact, yeah, it's simple. It's my cup overflows by the one. It's a, it's a, it's a faithful, it's a faithful thing. I think I have a, a great example of uh, why God accepts our works. Uh, when, that, when they're a faith book, uh, as, a, as an example of some of the, some of the people heard the story when Daniel was in uh, preschool. They did, a, they did a class project which, make, which was to make a, a patchwork uh, blanket. Every kid put, um, did a patch with their hand on it and their name and signature on it. So they, they sold that as part of the um, fundraiser for the school. And um, at the auction, I, when I saw that, I told me, I don't, I don't know what price is going to be on that. We're taking that home. So we, we, we paid um, $100 for what we could have got, probably gotten for 12 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's a good that's a good example. What made the whole thing have value to me is rather than filthy rags was because my son's name and and work was and because he's already my son because we're already sons got sons and daughters of God our works have value to him whereas they. 
that, that blanket never would have um, made kids have value to me. Uh, would have never um, did, bought value to me uh, of a of hundred bucks. Uh, you guys try saying this would bring damage. <laughs> yeah. No. no. It's had my son's handprint right. on here. And that gave it the value. And that gave it the value. I thought we I thought we got a real steal on that. I didn't care what the price was. Right. We were going to take that home. Like the price was right today. Um, happy meal. <laughs> I know $29. That's that must have a really good toy in there. Like I'm like, oh wow, is that that you should be thankful for your parents if they buy you those for that much. But yeah, no, I think the point is is you know uh, when we talk about uh, God and good works, uh, as you see on your notes right here, um, as Luther would always say, God does not need our good works. Like He doesn't need our good works. Like, he doesn't need them, but our neighbor does. Our neighbor needs our good work. Uh, but uh, it's through the redeeming sacrifice of Christ that our works are pleasing to God, right? It, we bring joy to our Father's heart in the, in the same way that... Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It um, brings uh, joy to my heart that my, my son's handprint was on there, and I, didn't, I knew that was the um, square that he did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know joy is different than, I mean, when we say God needs our works, what does that mean? Like, God needs our works, Nancy. Oh, he needs your work. Um, it's like the teacher saying, you better turn in that homework, or else you're getting a not-so-good grade, right? Is that how God works? He's like, you better turn in that work, uh, or else... Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, good when it comes to good work, uh, at the end, who needs it is our neighbor, right? Um, and, and that's I think uh, the key here, that the fruit of faith, uh, Matthew seven, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. It's all about being, right? It's all about being in the redemption, being in the, the, the faith that is Christ for you, only Christ, not you, but only Christ for you, right? So this is uh, how we proceed in this Christian life. Um, all right, we'll do one more here. Verse 17. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Oh, it looks like it's ending, but no. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. All right, so obey your leaders. Uh, here the writer's talking about, uh, he's not talking about Joe Biden here. Uh, he's talking about, oh, I'm sorry. Did I go? I'm not going in that room. I'm not going in that room right now on YouTube. <laughs> but he's talking about uh, the leaders that, as we heard earlier, uh, about uh, pastors, right? Uh, those that taught them uh, to submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, I, I know that, you know, like, you know, for the leaders of the church, the overseers, let's say the pastor, uh, what is... What do, what do you think their job is to do uh, in a sense of, um, why do they do what they do? Oh, don't answer that out loud. Uh, 
Um, yeah, why, why, do, why do we do what we do? I mean, in a sense of the way we preach, the way we teach, uh, the way we care for souls. What, why? Uh, what is the bottom, what is the foundation of that always? Yeah, it's the word, right? So pastors are known as under shepherds. That we're, we're not like the overlord, but we're just under shepherds of Christ. We're, we're under yeah. him, right? Uh, and, and there all we do is what? All we do is preach the word and give the word and care people with the word. And sometimes the word can be, what's the word? It can be very, it can be a tough conversation. It could be um, difficult um, in certain situations to hear that very word. But the pastor's call is not of his own self, but it is of the word. Everything is about the word. So um, sometimes people might say, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about that a lot. I don't want to hear about my sin. Like, we don't need to hear that. I just want to hear the good stuff, right? Just give me the cotton candy, right? Give me the cotton candy and nachos, and I'll be good. But no, I I think that a lot of people are are like that, right? Uh, But when we talk about the the leader, uh, he is actually the one, you know, it reminds me of Ephesians 5. I know this is not a, 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 a connection necessarily, but... As, you know, wives are to submit to the husband as to the Lord. So as Rob is nudging Miga right there, she is submitting Rob to the Lord. She is submitting to the Lord, right? And husbands, what are you to do? To, to die and sacrifice everything for your wife. See, that's the part that always gets left out. <laughs> so... Uh, so it, there is that two, that, that, that those dynamics there of a marriage. And, and likewise, you know, because in and, and that picture of marriage, that model is, be, is undergirded by the word. Now, when we depart from the word, what happens to the marriage? It can become really interesting, to say the least. Very interesting. Uh, it can become very um, interesting. Um, and, and so it is with pastors. If they depart from the word... It can become very interesting, very interesting, uh, and, and that's where everything falls apart, right? So, the the, the there's an ancient ancient Chinese curse: they live in interesting times. Yes, um, but look at that right there. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Well, so that's a fun part of my job, right? Uh, is is, uh, again, uh, you know, are we faithfully preaching and teaching? I mean, I can, I can smile. I can, I can concess, give you all the concessions to your desires and say, life is good, God is happy with you. Oh, great, you do you. That's great, right? At the end of the day, there is, there is a reality here, as the Hebrew writer says, uh, that this is, this is our call, to, to watch over his soul, to whom we have to give an account. Let them, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you, right? So um, I won't go into that, but uh, in, in a sense of, of, of the, the challenges of ministry, 
but I, I guess I, I think the discussion point here on your notes is, you know, how does the pastor keep watch over your soul? How does he keep watch? Is he, does he, is he a helicopter? Is he a helicopter mom or dad who's over your household making sure that um, you're, uh, whether you're naughty or nice and uh, whether, you in, whether you deserve coals or a gift at Christmas? Is that how pastors are? What does it mean to watch over your soul? He prays for you. <laughs> Santa Claus pastor. That's right. Oh, you got it. You got it, Don. What? He prays for you. Good. He hears your confessions. Um, he delivers the word to you. And the sacraments. And the sacraments. Yeah. Somebody's been listening to Dane. <laughs> no. <laughs> well. Probably, yes. He's part of it, yeah. But it, all that you said right there is what's the common theme is the, the word. Right? It's, it's not the pastor's personality. It's not his technique. It's the word to which we preach, right? And that's why it's so I important. I was worried when Pastor Bob was here, we'd be sitting in his office to do uh, personal confession and absolution. And I'd be uh, talking to him about something, and he'd go get the biggest book and uh, he'd, he'd go through the uh, pages and... Hmm. Yeah, I think I can forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make me words for a little while. Yeah. So, so this is, um, I think, uh, you know, and pray for your pastor, too, um, when it comes to the, the attacks of the devil. The devil attacks us in so many different ways. Oh, for sure. Power. Power, right? And we don't have power. Power is... Power is different than authority, right? Power and authority aren't together. You know, and, and power, that's an easy, you're right. Ego, pride, power for pastors is, uh, uh, is an easy one. Very easy, right? You know, sometimes we connect power and authority, but I think that's the wrong connection. Mm-hmm. I think it should be authority and responsibility. Oh, Spider-Man, that's right. That's right. Oh, no, that's with great power comes. That, <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops, my bad. There were a lot of times in my career where I made decisions and told people to do something because I had the responsibility for making sure that it got done. Therefore, I had the authority. And it wasn't just simply that I had the power. Of course, I did because I signed their performance. <laughs> oh, you did, Dave. <laughs> oh, you did. But Yeah, yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, for, for pastors, it is what keeps us going is the word. Um, there's nothing else. So, uh, and for the Hebrews in this time, remember in verse, uh, verse 9, uh, he was warning them against diverse and strange teachings. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the word, uh, I always tell people, the, the only reason why you should, not the only reason, but the most important reason why you should thinking about going somewhere else is because the word isn't preached faithfully. But that's the number one thing, right? And, and that's why when people, let's say, uh, stay at churches that are preaching falsely, there is a risk. There is a risk there for them, right? There is a risk when, when we 
we are at a church that's preaching falsely. And if they're not studying the word themselves, oh, they take do it they in. even know that, that it's incorrect? Yeah, that's right. Or they might know, and they say, oh, well, you know, it's the culture, so, like you the know. I like the music, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they're at risk. There, there, there is a great risk there. Yeah, so They have twirly things in their, uh, in their service. So, so yeah, you know, uh, so, so here we see, uh, uh, at the end of the day, as we look at our notes, uh, the, the pastor continues to preach the word, uh, rather than any new and attractive innovations, uh, the joy of ministry, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, um, that unites the congregation. The, the greatest joy that we have is when, what, is you, what do you think the greatest joy of a pastor is? is it because, I, I know the graphs every month. That is on the level of joy for me. I'm like, those graphs are so cool. Anyways, but that doesn't even give me the greatest joy. I mean, you would think, right? But what is the greatest joy as, as, as a pastor? Okay, baptism. Maybe save a lot of souls to Christ. All right, all right, very good. Seeing uh, people grow. Seeing people grow. Uh, what else? Seeing people come back next week. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and again, all that you said was, it's all centered on the, the word. Our joy as pastors is to see everyone come to the word. It's not numbers. It's not how many. It's people coming to hear the word. Does that make sense? That's the key uh, to, to my life in a sense of my joy in Christ is to hear the word. And, and rightfully so, that should be yours as well as you come to hear the word, to joyfully receive the gifts of Christ, the word and sacrament. And that's, that's at the end of the, the joy, because it's Christ. It's his word, right, given to you. And what a joy it is to see everyone come together to receive the very gifts of eternal life. Like, I, I don't know other joys in life. Um, that's why I always tell Abe, I love my job. Right? I love my job. I think I say that sometimes, right? I do. All right. Your, your non-yes or no, don't, don't misinterpret that. But... I, <laughs> oh, he sees me come home from hospitals and, and everything, so it's it's a tough thing sometimes. But but uh, uh, but uh, uh, or I tell Zoe because I I, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what else to do in this life. This is everything. This is for we're doing this for the long haul. So, uh, but because of the joy of the word, I think at the end of the day, the word. That's why we all get together. Uh, the word, and that's the joy. Luther writes right here. Uh, I have a commission in charge as a preacher and a doctor to see to it that no one is misled so that I may give account of it at the last judgment. And if you read his Luther's works right there, he's, he's talking about the Pope is involved in this context. <laughs> but anyways, uh, neither here nor there. We won't go to the Pope and Luther's... Um, what's the word about the Pope and Luther? He, that was an interesting thing for him. That's a good word to say. It's an interesting thing, his view of the Pope, uh, that he needed to say this because it's true. You know, um, yeah, I know. Um, all right. Uh, why don't we stop there? Why don't we stop there? Uh, I know it's 35, but, um, you know, this is, this is the call. So uh, at the end of the day, pilgrimage, the word of God, church is the word. Everything is the word, right? Everything is the word. Can't emphasize that enough. Uh, that's why uh, it's okay that pastors come and go. 
Because you're not following the pastor. You're following the word to which the pastor gives. Does that... Do you, do you know what I'm saying here? If you understand that, you understand why you come to faith. Because that's why you're here. Right? Um, and uh, that's a joy to know that you're here for that, uh, the word of Christ. All right, uh, let us pray. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this uh, word that you have given to us uh, throughout the book of Hebrews. Lord, we, we thank you for uh, the, the gift of sacrifice uh, that we may acknowledge your name, uh, the name that has saved us from our sin. Lord, bless us this week. Uh, lead us and guide us, O oh Lord, through the courage that you've given, sustaining us. Um, in Christ Jesus alone. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.